I'm expecting wide awake participation, interaction this morning as we tackle week two of our Jesus series. It's so amazing. Last week, Jason preached on the first week, which was being with Jesus. And tonight, or today, I'm going to tackle becoming like Jesus. And next week, we're going to tackle do what Jesus did. So we're really, really trusting that you're going to grab something from this series and start applying things into your life. So you know what? You know when you normally come to church, you normally think there's a whole bunch of terms and conditions, right? All right. But I'm going to tell you there's no terms and conditions to church except for this one little T's and C's. I just have one little T's and C's apply. The one little fine print for this message is that I don't want you to apply anything from this message until you listen to last week's teaching on being with Jesus. Um, Because it is so important that we get the order right. It's so important that we learn how to be with Jesus first. And from that, learn how to become like Jesus and then ultimately do what Jesus did. But we need to get the order right. The most important end goal here is to be with Jesus. And we see that in our key verse. Um, for this series in John 15, you can read with me. Jesus is speaking here. He's saying, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. So remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruits. For apart from me, you can do nothing. When we learn how to remain in Jesus, when we learn how to be with Jesus, we will automatically start becoming like Him. We will start becoming to love more, be more joyful, be more gentle, be more, you know, self-control. You know, all those fruits of the Spirit that we read in Galatians 5, that will start becoming a byproduct from when we start learning how to be with Jesus. We start to become like Him. It's the whole concept of show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me who you're spending a lot of time with and that's who you're kind of becoming. So we are all becoming something. The question is, is who are we becoming? What are we becoming like? And the whole thing with the scripture of John 15, which is our key verse, is that you will produce much fruit if you be with me, if you remain, I know be with me sounds weird, but if you be with me, if you remain in me, you will produce much fruit. Fruit is not forced, it is formed over a journey. You got to walk a journey with Jesus to spend time with him, be with him, and ultimately become like him. So we're all becoming something. We all become our habits or people we around mostly, but whether we like it or not, we, be, we are becoming someone, whether good or bad. The question is, who are we becoming? It's so interesting because when we give our lives to Jesus and when we, and we ask Him like, to take full control of our lives, we, we hold all the promises, right? So we hold the, we're going to have life of purpose, value, joy, life and life abundantly. I'm going to have all the fruits of the Spirit. It's gonna be, I'm going to always be gentle. I'm going to always be loving. I'm going to always be kind. It's going to be a perfect life. And I'm just going to get to heaven. It's going to be amazing. And that's all true, definitely, that that is the life we're going to have, except we lose a bit of the scripture where it says that in this life, you're probably going to have a bit of pruning. You're probably going to go through stages. 
Okay, this is not a stage, not a season, and then over and done with. Yes, I made it through to the next level. It's not like that at all. We're going to have stages. We're going to have seasons where God is going to want to prune us so that we, we can become more and more like Jesus. But we learn how to become like Jesus when we actually learn how to be with Him. So, with all my gardening skills, which I have none, I looked up a bit more about gardening and pruning. I thought, you know, this could be interesting for this message. And so it's actually quite interesting what I found. Pruning allows you to shape and strengthen shrubs and trees. Who knew that you could come to church and learn how to garden? You guys can all go do some great summer gardening after this with all these tips. And important gardening skills. So don't, don't lose that. It's an essential, important gardening skill, which is pruning. It refers to trimming and cutting of plants to rid them of any injured, dead, or infected roots. So it's getting rid of things that are going to prevent their growth. In some cases, pruning is also used to help make space for new seedling and for new flowers. It's, it's sometimes used in, in, in different seasons. So sometimes it's, uh, the flowers are pruned after they flower. Sometimes they're pruned in the winter, which is kind of ironic because sometimes when we feel like we're being pruned by God, it sometimes feels like a wintry season. It's a cold season, not a great season to be in, but it's the best season. And then it says pruning is an essential gardening skill. When you prune correctly, you encourage healthy growth and flowering. No one likes to be pruned. I don't want to be pruned. I don't be faffed with. Don't cut me and snip me and do whatever you need to do in me. No, no, no. I just want to grow into this beautiful flower. I don't want to stay like that. No one must touch me. I must just, just blossom and be this beautiful being. And it must happen now, like right now. Not 10 years from now, not 20 years from now, not tomorrow. It must happen right now in this instant. I'm going to pray, and God, you're going to prune me now. And in five seconds, I'm going to be like Jesus. Fortunately, God doesn't live in our mindset of time. And he lives outside of time, which means it is a journey. We need to learn how to be with Jesus so that we can go through the pruning in becoming like him. And it is the most exciting journey to be on. You never go through a dull season with God. Like you never go through a season and be like, this is boring. Like it's never a boring life with God. There's always something. He's always up to something. He's always doing something so that you can become, so that you can be with Jesus. So food is not forced. It is formed. So I want to encourage us this morning on four um, different points that I really believe God uses as tools for us to help us become more and more like Jesus. And the first one is, I believe it's what we think. What we think. In Romans 12 verse 2, it says, stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed. There's our word changed, becoming by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. But what does my thinking have to do with my becoming like Jesus? I don't know about you, but if I were to spend my whole day listening to, I don't know, like, you know, you get some of these rap artists, they're pretty cool, but you get something like these rap artists, like every word's like this not great words, and I can't say it in church, but you know, you're, you're listening to stuff that isn't really life-giving, or you're reading stuff that's not life-giving, and then you decide, 
Maybe I should have my quiet time. Okay, cool. Let me take two minutes and quickly read a bit of a devotional. And then, and then you wonder after five minutes, why am I not becoming like Jesus yet? Why am I not thinking like he thinks? I don't understand. I've just had a two-minute devotion. Why am I not thinking like Jesus yet? But it's a journey. We need to start renewing our mind. We need to start transforming the way that we think. And this comes with changing our environment, changing um, what we're spending time doing. So what are we reading? On Sundays, um, we, 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 we're listening to messages that we encourage, we inspire, we're starting to renew our mind of what God's Word says. When we spend time in devotionals or prayer or a silence and solitude or whatever it might be, you start renewing your mind and start thinking the thoughts that Jesus thought, and then that's how you start becoming like Jesus. It's a process. You can rewire the way you think. We let our thoughts take us captive, and we stay captive to these toxic and harmful thoughts that are actually preventing us from the growth to becoming like Jesus, where Jesus is saying, like, if you would just be with me, I would help you think positive things that are going to help you become more and more like me. The problem is, but a bad news on this, is you can't think your way to Christ-likeness, unfortunately. See, knowledge is not the problem. It's what we're doing with the knowledge. Because knowledge can only get you so far. But if we just keep it as knowledge, because all of us know what to do. We all know what the Bible says. We all know the scriptures. We all know what people preach on on Sundays. And we all know it. But what are we doing with what we know? Because that's where the change comes. That's where the becoming comes. And that is all, uh, what are we doing? What practices are we putting into our lives to help us become more and more like Jesus? In Matthew 7, um, it says, These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, if you work these words into your life, you apply it, you make it a reality. Then you're like a smart carpenter, bought his house on solid rock, rain poured down, the river flooded, tornado hit, but nothing moved the house. It was fixed to the rock. It was fixed to Jesus. Jesus was the anchor because you're applying his word into his life, um, into your life. Two, two Sundays ago was the Cape Town Marathon. Anyone here run it? You guys are my heroes. Well done. So I phoned my husband in March. Yes, I am married, even though Jason still calls me by my Gouda Bloom. I can't even pronounce this name. This is why I got married, people. I'm joking. It's not why I got married. I love my husband. But um, anyway, so I phoned him in March and I'm saying, hey, listen, listen, you're like, do you want to go run this 10K at the Cape Town Marathon. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. You know, it's always nice to have a bit of a goal. So we thought, okay, we're going to get training. You know, it's going to be great. So two months out of the race, we're thinking, man, we, sh- we need to get our training on. Like, we need to get some distance in. And my mom comes to me. She runs Ironman. She's like a beast. She's amazing. And so she comes to me with all her knowledge going, uh, Martine, you need to um, start training for this now, hey? You, you, you need to get this distance in. I'm like, oh, mom, I don't have time to train. I don't want to. I don't want to train. And then a month out, she's, she's on my case still. She's like, are, are you training? I'm going to run with you, Martine. We can run from Dolphin Beach to Eden. It's about 10Ks. just want you to get the distance in. I don't want you to get the shin splints or anything like that. I'm like, 
oh, mom, I don't want to wake up on a Saturday morning and go run. I'm tired from the week. You know, I run a youth on Friday nights. It's hardcore. Yeah, these guys are, it's like they, they're too energetic for me. I can't wake up and it's like, and then I've got to go run at 10 cans hard. Anyways, and then I didn't end up training. So I phoned CJ in the week of the marathon. I'm like, oh, do you really want to train? I mean, do you really want to run this? And he's like, well, we'll run it if you want to run it. I'm like, oh, I just want to say no, because then it makes my life so much easier. I feel so much better. I'm like, oh, no, let's just leave it. Let's just go to church. And so um, <laughs> let's just be in it. Let's just go serving and do our jobs. <laughs> and anyway, so, so um, I just realized that if I were to have run that 10K, I would have failed after 5Ks. I would have gone to 5Ks and, ah, that's it, done, finished. No more, can't do this anymore. I would have completely given up because I didn't put in the practice for this 10K run. You see, when you enter into a relationship with Jesus, the Bible says that you start running a race. You start a journey and you can't do a journey without getting the source of energy from being with Jesus. You can't, you need those spiritual disciplines. You can't run a 10K without water. You can't run a 10K without maybe having some sort of, you know, one of those energy bars or whatever you take to give yourself a little bit of energy. You, you, you can't do a 10K and then think that you're going to get through it without practice or without training. So God is saying, I'm, I want you to put in to practice what you've heard and, and, and what you've surrounded yourself. I want you to put that into practice so that when you run this race and when you run this journey with me, you can do it without giving up halfway. You can do it without quitting or failing off to halfway because you're doing it from being with me. And if I'm going to help you become in this race, I'm going to help you apply my words to your life. And um, yeah, so the word says, I work my words into your life. What we think and what we know has to lead to practice daily spiritual disciplines, which we, um, yeah, in James 1, it says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So here again, I'm going to direct you to last week's Sunday's message. T's and C's apply. Read the fine print. Like, listen to last week's message because it's a great teaching on what um, different spiritual disciplines you can put in. And don't put in all 20 and then fail and then give up. Like, pick one. Put in a, a spiritual discipline every day that's going to help you become, that's going to help you run the race that God has planned for you. And I want to encourage you that your, your habits will eat your greatest intentions for breakfast. So you could have the best intention to wake up at 6 a.m. and play a worship song and read a devotion. I'm so proud of you. If, if, that, if that's your greatest intention, but if your habit is to sleep in, it's not going to happen. Like if, if your habit is to spend, or if you have a greatest intention to take a lunch break at work and spend five minutes of silence and solitude, but your natural habit every day at 1 p.m. is to sit and have lunch with your friends, that's going to be very hard to change because that's your habit. It's your daily, it's become a habit to you. So you need to be intentional to say, I'm going to put in these daily spiritual disciplines at 1 p.m. I'm going to do that. Or at 6 a.m. I'm going to do that. But you need to know what's going to work for you you and you pick one thing, do it for 21 days and that forms a habit in your life. You've got a new spiritual discipline, it's a habit and it teaches you to be with Jesus so that you can become more and more like him. So 
becoming more and more like Jesus, the way we think, um, what are we doing with what we think, and then also, who are we around? So our community, just a bit of a disclaimer here, I'm naturally an introvert, you wouldn't think that being on stage, but I'm naturally wanting to be at home by myself, I want to go watch a movie or watch TV series, just you know, be with CJ because it's a comfortable relationship and structure. You know what I mean? Like, like that, that, that for me is refreshing. That's resting. Uh, I love people, love people, but it's not my natural, like, woo, let's be in community, people, yay, best thing ever. Like, that's not my natural thing. I'm naturally an introvert. I'm an extrovert when I need to be. So when I heard that community was part of becoming like Jesus, I thought, oh, no, I can't do this. Because I'm that person in varsity or school um, where my lecturer or my teacher would say, cool, uh, now get into groups of four or five for your assignments or your exam. And I thought, oh, can't you just like go one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, and all the ones go and all the twos go and all the threes go. Because like the introvert's worst nightmare now to go find a friend and say, um, do you want to be in a group with me? Uh, okay. Do you want to be in a group with me? Should, should we be in a group? You know, you turn to the person behind you. Should, should we be in a group and hoping that someone's going to like accept you in their group and not be rejected? That's like the worst nightmare, all right? So anyway, so this really was like whew, super challenging to me. But I've realized that through preparing with this that everyone desires some sort of community, even introverts, even me. I desire some sort of community. I don't like it when I'm alone all the time at home. I love it when CJ's around me. It's community. I love it when I am with friends sometimes. It's community. I don't want it all the time, but I do desire for it sometime, even being an introvert. Mother Teresa says um, a a quote that um, loneliness is the leprosy of the modern world. So many people are lonely. So many people don't have friends or community to do life with, which is so ironic because we live in a world where we're actually more connected than we've ever been before. We've got Facebook friends, we've got Instagram followers, we connected on LinkedIn or whatever sort of social media platform you're on. We're so connected with the people around us and we're mistaking that connectivity for community and it's so interesting because I think that social media can actually feel, make you feel even more alone. She's sitting and you're scrolling and you're wondering why I'm alone and everyone else is having a great time. And it can actually make you feel so alone. Yet it's so weird because we're connected with hundreds of people on social media platforms. Because I really think that we've lost God's heart for community. I mean, even Jesus needed community. So if we want to become like Jesus, we need to learn of what Jesus did when he walked this earth. He got people, Matthew, Peter, John, all these people, like he got people to walk with him, to talk to, to share meals with. He, um, even when, when Jesus was praying in, in the garden, and um, there were two of his disciples praying for him and interceding for him. I'm thinking like, here's Jesus, okay, perfect man. Fully God and fully human, he needed community. So I don't know where we've ever fooled ourselves to thinking that if the Son of God needed community, what makes us think that we don't? Like, what makes us think that we can do life without people? When Jesus needed people, Jesus needed community, we need to learn from Jesus. Okay, we need community. Why? 
Why, do we, why is this so important? I believe that community exposes who we really are. Here's the bad news again. Okay. Exposes, no one likes this part, unfortunately. This is the part that everyone runs away from. You know, I, I never thought that I could get so irritated being married. This is a new thing for me. I'm like, okay, I've been married for 10 months. I know nothing, like nothing, but I've learned a lot about myself. I never knew that I could be so OCD. I never knew I could be such a clean freak. And when the counters aren't, aren't, aren't wiped down and when CJ leaves the crumbs on the table, I'm like, can you not? Just wipe it. It's not hard, CJ. You pick up the cloth. You wipe the counter. It's really not difficult at all. I never knew that I would struggle. So, CJ, I don't understand why your shoes have been under the table for the past week. Martine, they haven't been under the table for the past week. I wore them this morning. I don't understand how that's possible because I came home before you and the shoes were there. Anyways, and then it gets into an argument because now I'm realizing something in myself going, I never knew that I struggled with this. I never knew this was a problem until I got into community with someone and things started being exposed in me. Things that I started struggling with, things that I'm like, I never knew this was a problem. Peter Scazzaro, a great author, he writes incredible books on being emotionally healthy. He actually calls it um, your shadow side. And this is what he means. Your shadow is your accumulation of your untamed emotions, your less than pure motives and thoughts that while largely unconscious, they strongly influence and shape your behaviors. It is the damaged but mostly hidden version of who you are. We don't know our shadow side until we're in deep community with someone. And that could be, and that's a deep relationship with someone. So that could be a spouse, it could be a mentor, it could be a leader, it could be a best friend. It's someone that you actually take the mask off and say, this is who I am. This is who I am. Shadow side and all, go exposed. Like, this is, this is who I am. I even have that deep relationship community with, with, with Jason and Sue, our lead pastors, amazing leaders in my life, pastors. Um, and, and, I rem- and they love to do some exposing. It's like, it's like they're gifting. I'm joking. No, it's not. I love them. But I remember, funny story. Let me, let me tell you this funny story. I'm just going to expose them for it. Because, you know, because they expose stuff in me. This is, this is time. I've got the mic, so I get to expose them now. But it's so funny because once, I'm, last year, I made this decision to lead something. And um, at the time, I was super, like, at capacity. was working really hard. had a lot on my shoulders. I had a lot of pressure and just things that I had to, um, just a lot of work to do. And, and I could think. Well, the scriptures say I can do all things with Christ that gives me strength. So I can clearly lead this, this, this other thing as well. So I'm going to make an executive decision and lead this thing without going to my pastors first. And I'm just going to kind of do it. And then somehow they found out, which is great. And then they called me into their office and they sat me down. I'm like, sure, I wonder if I'm in trouble. Like, this, is, this is interesting. And then I sat down and, and they went, and this is, you know, Jason, he sits there and he goes, I'm just trying to understand, um, like, did you have a brain fart? I'm just, I'm just trying to understand what you were thinking when you made this decision. Were you being stupid? Because if I could just understand what was going on in your mind, then maybe I can just understand. 
because I don't understand right now. It was hilarious. I'm like, this escalated very quickly. I guess she was like, just a small little decision. But it wasn't actually going to be a small decision. It would have been something that could have actually um, prevented me from growth. It could have prevented me. Something would have had to... Um, fail here if I were to have taken that thing on. And, and it just wasn't going to really um, be healthy for me in that season of life. But the reason why Jason and Sue sat me down and exposed this thing that I didn't really think of, I didn't really see in that moment, was not because they hate me and they want to see me fail and they want to see me like, yeah, we are going to challenge you now. But you know, it's not, that's not their heart at all. Their heart was like to be a friend to my destiny. They, they wanted to say, Martin, we love you. We care about you. We want to see you loving Jesus in 10 years time. This is not going to help with that. This might take you away from that because it's too much too soon. And I thought, oh, you know what? Yeah, then yeah, you're definitely right. And I've had to learn from it. I have to grow from it. But I'm so thankful to have people in my life that are going to sit me down and expose something in me because they want to see me become more like Jesus. They want to see me be with Jesus. They've got that heart for me. They're friends to my destiny. We need to find that community that can be friends to our destiny. So just as we have community to expose us, we also need community to encourage us. Sometimes we just need a bit of encouragement, right? I remember years back, I was facing just something very traumatic. It was it was just wasn't a healthy thing. It just was a whole bunch of stuff just, just going on at once. And for two and a half years on and off, it was just, it was just hard. It was a bit, it was a bit taxing on, on me, just what I had to deal with, what I had to push through. And I remember just having community around me, you know, say, you know, I would send a message saying, Hey, please can you pray for me? This is what's happening. Or and I I, I would just have community rally around me and say, Well, team, we're trusting you. Like, like we're trusting for breakthrough, we're trusting for a shift, we're with you, we're walking this journey with you. There were times when I used to message people and say, I don't know if I can pray for this anymore. To be honest, I think I've lost a little bit of hope in praying for the same thing. I'm seeing no change. Like, I just don't know if I can pray for this anymore. And I remember people coming together and saying, you know what? We're going to raise your hands and help you pray. We're going to pray. We, we're going to trust with you. We're going to stand with you. And it's okay. Like you're not in this alone. I was encouraged by God's promises through them, by God's faithfulness through them. There are times when I would go home on a Friday night after youth. Um, yeah, you think working for the church is like you get to pray all day. I wish we get time to pray all day. That would be amazing. Imagine just us being with Jesus all day. We'll be like glowing like him. It will be amazing. But um, so things can get stressful. Things can get really like under pressure. And I remember going home on, on a lot of Fridays just saying to CJ, man, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I just feel like nothing's changing and nothing's happening. Like, am I doing something wrong? Like, is it me? Like, am I not caught to this anymore? Like, I, I don't understand, CJ. I feel like I should just give up. Like, I just, I don't know anymore. Like, like, what should I do? And CJ, every time, would sit me down and he would say, no, Martine, stop that. Is that God's thought? No, it's not. Then why are you thinking it? That is not of God. You know that's not of God, Martine. So don't think that. Martine, I'm with you. I'm going to support you. We're going to get through this together. You're doing a great job. I believe in you. Come on, I'm with you. I'm by your side. We're going to walk through this. We, we are going to, you know, and, and it would just be so encouraging. I'd be like, yes, yes, I can do this. Thank you. Like, like there's someone that just believes in you and someone that can just encourage you when, when you're feeling down and, you, and you're feeling like you want to give up and you want to quit on this whole being and becoming 
it's just too stressful. And, and I've got to fit that in with the work and the this and the, and this is too much. But someone's going to be there and say, you can do that. You can do that. Just keep on making time. Just keep on making space. Just keep on praying. Just keep on putting that discipline in. Just keep on being intentional. And you're going to feel so much more empowered to, to, to kind of keep on doing it and keep on doing it because someone is with you on the journey. Someone that's a friend to your destiny. And how do we do this? Just just a couple of things. Um, you can join to serve a team. If you're an introvert like me, serving on a team is normally the best because you're forced to talk to people. You know, like you can't be like, I'm not going to talk to you. Like you're, like you're on a team. Like you have to, you know, make a new friendship. Or you can join a life group. You can join a freedom group. I encourage you to join freedom at the beginning of next year when we run it again. It's a 12-week curric- curriculum. It's amazing. Um, it's just connecting and forming relationships. Maybe you enjoy stuff like running or cycling. Hey, why don't you do an interest group and find more people that enjoy running or cycling. Do it together. Find people that, that, that you can do life with, that, that you can be in community with. Even things like after hours or staying after a service for um, coffee or food. It's, it's that connecting. It's that community. Hey, how are you doing? How have things been? Are you okay? Anything we need to pray for? Like, are you struggling with something? You know, not that we're going to ask you our deepest, darkest secrets, but it's just like just being community. And it takes commitment and intentionality that you can't just say, well, that friend failed after a day, so I'm just going to give up. No, just keep on going. Like, keep on. Like, stay committed to finding community that are going to be with you, that are going to expose things that you'd don't want to expose, but it needs to be exposed to help you become and that are going to encourage you when you feel like life is kind of just a bit too tough to, to face on your own. So becoming like Jesus, the way we think, what are we doing? Who are we around? And who are we letting lead? Are we leading or are we letting the Holy Spirit lead? In Romans 8, it says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Holy Spirit needs to be in the sense that the Holy Spirit brings all of this stuff together. The Holy Spirit helps us think things that are going to help put us on the right journey, that are going to help us become. The Holy Spirit is going to help us do the right things that are going to connect us more to Jesus, that are going to help us be with Jesus. The Holy Spirit is going to help us give us strength to be in community, to make a friend, to connect, to take off the mask, to be secure around people that are going to be friends to your destiny. The Holy Spirit needs to be the most dominant and prominent role in everything that we do, every decision that we make, everything that we need um, guidance or strength for. The Holy Spirit is there to give that to us, it says in 2 Corinthians, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Jesus. So more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. And Holy Spirit needs to be the most important part working in our lives. Unfortunately, willpower is not enough for us to change. The Holy Spirit helps us become like Jesus. The Holy Spirit was, I mean, Jesus was anointed with the Holy, the Holy Spirit, came upon Jesus. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. So we need the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us into all truth. Only the Holy Spirit can help us become like Jesus. He's the one person who can guide, correct, encourage, convict, challenge, help us, teach us, grow us. The Holy Spirit is there to lead us. He needs to be the most important part 
of our lives so that we can become more and more like Jesus. If you need another teaching on the Holy Spirit, you want to go a bit more in depth, Sue preached an incredible message on the Holy Spirit in, in our ACT series. That's also available on our podcasts. Um, so if you need that, you can also come to me with a flash disk if you don't have a smartphone. We want to make it as easy as possible for, for, for you to get teaching um, so that you can start renewing and transforming the way you think with God's Word. So with that, I want the worship team to come up as I bring this to a close. But just going back to my gardening skills in the beginning of the message, where I talk a bit about pruning. Pruning allows us to become more and more like Jesus. There are going to be things in our lives that God is going to want to prune, that, that God's going to want to cut away, that God's going to want us want to do in our lives so that we become more and more like Jesus. And so pruning obviously allows, us, allows you to shape and strengthen and how we shape and strengthen is obviously what we think. We, we want to shape and strengthen our thoughts so that our thoughts are going to line up to what Jesus thought thinks. And it's going to be life-giving and it's going to be truth. It's not going to be lies from the enemy, but it's going to be what we read, what we surround ourselves with, what we spend more time um, bringing into our minds. Pruning refers to trimming and cutting of plants to rid them of any injured, dead, or infected roots. The Holy Spirit and even people in community with what they're exposing wants to take, like they, they want to help prune the things that are going to prevent us from growth, the things that are not good for us, the things that are going to take us away from what God has intended for us. And that is what the Holy Spirit does. That is what God wants to do. He wants to prune, to take away the things that are just not going to be great for you. And when you prune correctly, you encourage healthy growth and flowering. So when you practice spiritual disciplines, you encourage healthy growth and flowering. That is when you be with Jesus, just as John 15 says, that those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's when we with Jesus, when we be with Jesus, that we can produce that healthy growth and that fruit that God has so destined for us. I want to tell you it's a lie if someone has ever told you that you can do this by yourself. It's a lie if someone has ever told you that you can change by yourself. You can't. The scriptures clearly say that apart from me, apart from Jesus, doing life without Jesus, doing life, just doing or just becoming, but without the being, if you're not being with me, you can't do anything. I'm your source of life. I'm your source of strength. I'm the source of what you need to become more and more like me. You just need to be with me. Someone encourage you this morning. I know we've said, we say it all the time. I feel like sometimes we get tired of hearing it, but we're going to keep on saying it until Jesus comes back. He just wants to be with you. He hasn't left you. He hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't ignored you. He's not angry at you. He just wants a relationship with you because He has something so beautiful for you. He has something so incredible for you, but that comes out of a place of Jesus, I know it's hard. Life gets so busy, right? Busyness consumes us. But I know what it feels like to do life without Jesus. And I hated every second of it. 
But when I realize that just being with Jesus, I want to become more and more like Him. I want to have more love and more gentleness and more self-control when I'm getting angry at CJ for stupid things. And I, I want to be more gentle and, and joyful. And I want to be like that. But I could only be like that when I spend time with the one who knows how to be like that. And when I let the Holy Spirit lead me, and it's hard. It is so hard, but it is so worth it. It is so worth it.